Welcome to the Broken Campfire. I'm your host, Andy, and today's a special episode. I'm only joined by Flask. Hi, Flask. Me. We're going to discuss HBO's The Watchmen, or I guess HBO's Watchmen, not The Watchmen, by Damon Lindelof. Flask just finished it. I finished it a couple months ago. We uh, briefly touched on it in the podcast, episode Mm -hmm. 16, but uh, some folks there were still watching it. We don't want to spoil it, but Flask and I have uh, read the comic, we've watched the movie, and now we've seen the show. So, And we have not really talked about the show, at least, between each other. So this is the first time he and I are kind of talking about it. Release the Snyder Cut of HBO's Watchmen. You want the Snyder Cut? <laughs> of HBO's Watchmen. 2019. What does that look like? I guess Hooded Justice is in every episode. It has a lot more slow motion. Right. Well, I guess Hood of Justice wasn't on almost every episode, in a way. Hmm. Well, anyway, I, I got, let's just start with uh, what, what are your overall thoughts? So I I shared my thoughts a bit more in depth early on the podcast, but I right. really enjoyed it for the most part, um, except some bits towards the final. But I think you were a bit more ambivalent on it. I was pleasantly surprised early on. Um, and then I think I, it's sort of – I don't want to say it got bad. I don't think it got bad. It lost me as it went on. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I can understand that a lot of the things it does, it does well, and it doesn't get bad. It just it was like losing me as a viewer. Um, where, where, where do you think that was? It's kind of hard to. I say. mean, I, I think um, on the podcast you mentioned maybe in general it kind of coincided with where the comic started becoming more of a thing in the show, which I think yes. happened more towards the second half of the series. Or it started tying in more. I think maybe like the Dr. Manhattan stuff and the revelations that were happening of plots that we've been building up. Um, hmm. Man, I, I feel okay. like you and I might disagree on a major point. Then I feel like episode eight, one of my favorite episodes of the, it's probably my favorite episode of the series. That's Is the that the one where? That's the nonlinear storytelling reveal. episode. Okay, yeah. Um, it's not, it's yeah. not the one with the reveal. The reveal is actually in the episode right before, but that's oh, the episode okay. where that's the not the, the, the episode about Dr. Manhattan. We see their history and right. Yes. Um, I, I kind of wish they hadn't included Dr. Manhattan at all. Like I, wish I understand that sentiment. Entirely. I, I understand that sentiment entirely. Um, I think they sort of mischaracterize him, to be honest. Um, oh, so. They bring him. They bring him back from where we left him at the end of the comic, the graphic novel, mm-hmm. and it feels like there's no real reason for what he's doing there, <laughs> and it seems like his attitude has changed. It, it does take advantage of like the fact that he. It can it both has perfect clairvoyance and he is bound by it, mm-hmm. so he can kind of just do whatever. And then yeah, that's another problem I have. Is and like, then and then say that he was always meant to do that. And right, I, I just use that fate excuse. Yeah, I think I actually mostly bought it while I was watching the show, but that definitely occurred to me at some point afterwards that you know the impression I, 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 I just. 
Oh, God. The, the impression I got from the graphic novel for Dr. Manhattan is that he could still have agency. He just could, he, like, he could see, he, he, not he's not seeing the future or the past. He's experiencing it all simultaneously. So he knows everything that has happened and will happen, but he's mm-hmm. still acting as himself in any given moment. You know what I mean? Like, he still has agency in the moment he's right. living in currently. It's just that he's not on a track that he can't divert from. He's just, he can see the track. He, he has the individual experience be of being human in that way. I, I understand what you mean. Like, yeah, like he still has human His ego qualities. is there, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so this kind of changes it so that he's bound by the track instead of just being able to experience the track that he's on. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of interpreted the 10 years as Cal where he didn't know that he was a superpowered being as like the intended essence of John Osterman. You know what I mean? But I, I, I don't really remember the character enough to like know if that fully squares away, but I felt like that was one of the things they were going for was that he wanted to be human. That is true. He wanted a relationship to succeed. So like so I, can, I, I can understand him wanting a normal life and removing his yeah. powers as like a, a way to achieve that. The more I think about it, I don't know. I, I, th- I agree that it's it's a convenient storytelling trick, but I think they employ it okay. I mean, he gets bored doing what he was doing on Ganymede or whichever one of Jupiter's moons it was. And he he he's grown so desensitized to life by being a god for so long that he just wants to be a human again. And in his mind, you know, so he has that desire to be human again. And for this is where the story trolling trick comes into play. For very specific reasons that are convenient for a story, being a human means uh, falling in love with our main character. You know what I mean? I and that is a leap. But I there there are fewer. The steps are smaller there than I think are first apparent, you know? Yeah, he spends, I don't know, he spends like, what, 30 years or so uh, being Dr. Manhattan and trying to live a human life but failing and then becoming more and more detached from humanity. And then finally, when he's uh, at at the end of the graphic novel, he's still Mm -hmm. trying to like act upon humanity in a way, like trying to stop fight or whatever. But then at the end, he's like, well, I'm done. I'm going to go. I'm going to mm-hmm. go now. But then in this, they're like, okay. But then he tried a little bit of it on in, in Ganymede. And then it was like, eh, I'm bored now. And then came back in like another 20 years or something. And then just like decided to try even harder. So he's yeah. basically like back around to the beginning of his I, I totally get journey that, yeah. as Dr. Manhattan. But so it's but not it's like not, implausible. It doesn't. It's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just like weird that they decided to come back around. I feel like I can square it away because it's not him going back around. Because it's not him being Doctor Manhattan and amongst the humans anymore. No, it's, it's him, him trying being to be human a, again. Yeah. It's him, but but it's him actually being human again. You know? Yeah, it's not him putting on a face. And I think that one of the, the things that sold that for me and one of the uh, things are really one of the moments I really loved was when he approaches Adrian Veidt about that, and Veidt's like, and, and this is totally a pull from the comic, but I think they employ it well. And Veidt's like, 
I made that device for you 35 years ago. And then he just kind of explains quickly that he just assumed that Dr. Mahowen would come to this conclusion eventually. <laughs> and, like, maybe that's just a little bit of, like, the writers giving themselves too much credit. But that kind of did help sell it for me. That it was, like, in-universe, you know, people okay. understood that. Who knew him? Mm-hmm. Who knew John Osterman? I... I- it's it's funny. Not I to say you're wrong. That. I think I think no, you and no, I no. just had have different. It's just like, a viewpoint. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny though because like the the reason I think I would have preferred them to cut Doctor Manhattan out almost entirely, if not entirely, is because it causes those problems for me in the storytelling. Whereas I thought sure. that the stuff they invented was good enough to stand on its own. You know, the stuff yeah. that was happening early on in this series. I was invested in enough that I was like, okay, we're going, you know, this is a new territory basically. Sure. Um, like yeah. the whole setup of the world building, like the, the whole thing with the cops being masked and like, the in- um, yeah, for sure. And, and the, even the early comic book stuff with the inversion of the hood of justice. Mm-hmm. That I, I liked the retcon they did with hood justice. I thought it, right. I was like surprised by how perfectly that retcon fit in. When you actually yes, think about no, like very what well. you know about Hooded Justice, it's it's crazy how well that fits. Um, yeah, no, that was, that was a stroke of genius, and the yeah. characters were good. Like I thought Sister yeah. Knight's character was good. What's her name? Angela Abor. <laughs> Angela, I thought uh, Angela. I remember that character was good. I, I always remember that because of the episode eight, a god walks into Abor. I just love that. Oh, yeah. I just love that pun. <laughs> Um, I thought her character was good. I loved uh, uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character, Looking Glass. I loved him. Looking Glass. He was. I um, wish he was used more. I wish he was employed a bit more, especially in the second half of the season, because the first couple episodes make you think he's going to be a big deal, but he mostly sidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. Yeah, I like the whole setup of the like the mystery and, oh, and what was the, the uh, they had a couple of. They, what was the girl's name? They, Pirate Jenny. I thought that was the most Pirate stupidest, Jenny. funny, stupidest, funniest. You know, I'm not even trying superhero name, but yeah. not to like it, not give the writers credit. I think it just kind of like fit with the aesthetic that girl was evoking. Barely you know trying, I mean? you know, she's exactly. like, she's a cop yeah. detective, barely trying. I, I love um, that. You know, I laughed yes. hard when when somebody yelled Pirate Jenny. Um. And even the stuff with Vite, uh, like in his. Oh, that was thing. fantastic. I, that was I my think favorite they should have had him probably appear less uh, because we keep cutting back to him so often. They, I think they just couldn't. They couldn't help but know that their exactly series was going to be like nine episodes long, and that each each episode was the next year and Vite's imprisonment. It was just too good of an idea for them to resist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I can see but I, I agree with you. Less is more, but at the same time, um, I, I love Jeremy Irons as Adrian Veidt. I would have loved if the entire series revolved around him. And I only say <laughs> no, that after having good. watched it. If you'd asked me before, I would have said it's crazy, but it was great. I, I think they probably sh- I, I would have had him in it less because when you find out like what's going on, all of what he's doing up there kind of feels like it could have used up much less space in the show. You know what I mean? Like what he's actually accomplishing. I I get, I get that. But at the same time, I think it's fine if it, I think, I think it's fine if it's enjoyable the first time you watch it, 
you know, if like you're just bought into the story. I, I get what you mean, though. It is kind of a which big it was kind of like it was kind of hit or miss for me. Eventually, I was like, okay, what are, where are we going with this? Uh, although I did enjoy him, right? Um, and then like I feel like it also faltered later on with how much of the show became flashbacks. Yeah, I I, I understand I, what you mean. I don't know how you do that otherwise, like how you'd reveal stuff that happened in the past. In and in a comic book it's less uh jarring to like just suddenly spend a whole episode in flashback. But doesn't it only happen in the one episode, really? Isn't that where they I mean, there's a whole episode dedicated to Hood of Justice. There's a whole episode dedicated to Andrew's okay, yeah. backstory. I um, okay, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I was just thinking of Doctor Manhattan popping around. And there's a bunch of stuff dedicated to like, uh, oh my god, what's what's Vite's daughter's name? Lady Tro. Le- Le- yeah, Lady True. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a lot of stuff dedicated to her. I was I, I, I was worried about her character at first, and then I thought there was a bit more there when I, she started having character towards the end, where this oh she's not just. This rating narcissist. She also craves validation from her parents. So, like, she has this little, yeah, but then, no, she just ended up being a not really all that interesting character in the end. I felt that way. Uh, I, I, I wish she now, had, that was like, a massive misstep on their part. They, 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 she had no dimensionality or character. She was just evil, rich. And honestly, I don't, you know, this, I, I don't, this is not what I believe, but evil, rich Asian woman. Like, it's just like a very, you know, like, Incredibly smart, evil, rich Asian woman. It's, it was weird, kind of, to me. I remember when I after the show, I was like, I was trying to, th- I was, I was, I had another conceptualization of what her character might have been, and it seemed better to me. But mm-hmm. I can't quite remember now. But basically, like, take a different tack with her, because she has, apparently, she has, you know, Adrian's genius, um, mm-hmm. and then her plan ends up being kind of like. I don't know. A little bit just like super villainish. <laughs> I I was I was expecting her plan to quote unquote work because I yeah. thought I thought it was going to be a sub a, a complete sub, like a complete maybe not a subversion but a complete homage to how this series started because the well to the comic book I mean because the whole point was you know John the first thing he learned was reconstructing himself. And yes, I think I, this is not exactly my take, but the fact that he's a watchmaker's son is very intentional. And the fact that he is this specific person is very intentional. The logic of the comic book, at least is that he is just uniquely positioned to be the type of person that when he gets obliterated, he can put himself back together. And like, we don't, you know, Lady Tro probably isn't that person or Lady True probably isn't that person. So I was expecting her plan to seem to work, but then her to just <laughs> never, never appear again because she just <laughs> vaporized. Like I, I expected her to, I expected her to like explode, really, or like just vaporize, okay. like disappear. You know what I mean? Not, not exactly right. that clever, but I, what was? Can you, can you try to explain what the like? I don't understand what the whole tower thing was about. Like I get that there was a thing at the top of the tower that was then. I assumed it was supposed to be like a giant energy conduit that for some reason was necessary to hold Dr. Manhattan's massive energy while she transferred it out of him and into her. 
But why did it have to be flying? And why did it have to be part of a whole huge tower assembly? Maybe just because... Uh, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate. I agree, it's kind of silly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a I comic just, book thing, but yeah. I think it's. I think the logic is it, it needs to look like it fits, so it has to have this grand monumental purpose. You know sure. what I mean? So it, it has to look really impressive and like because it has to be really big. You know all that. Like it can't just be some random ass thing that she's erecting out in the middle of fucking Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's just people are asking, like, what's the deal with the tower? And it's like, the tower really isn't important. It's that little bulb at the top that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just remembered also to add to the things that I did like about the show. I liked Lori, Blake, Lori Blake's characterization. Oh, I thought she was, she was great. great. Um, I, at first, I kind of had a knee jerk when she turned on Vite at the end. But I think given what happened in her life and the show... It's it's fine if she's like made a character change in the thirty years since she agreed mm-hmm. to let Vi go initially, and then Vi just did that same shit again. Kind of, well, not really actually. Vi just, uh, I'm kind of, well, I'm kind of veering into another. I'm I'm kind of veering into another criticism of mine. Okay, I mean, at the uh, end of the comic, yeah. they intended to to like arrest him, but he basically convinced them that like what he did was was the right thing enough that if they mm-hmm. tried to undo it, it would do more damage than what he did. Right. So right. it basically was like, we can't reveal it, but now everything's said and done. The world is a different place. Uh, so long after the fact that I think she just yeah. feels that it's time. Well, were you, do you have another criticism to mention? Well, yeah, were- I was going to say that like, it's, it's really, Maybe maybe we don't want to get into this bugbear yet, but the last 15, 20 minutes of the show, I feel like are kind of fraught with issues for me. Okay. Um, one of those is the squid thing, where that's hyped up so much. Like, I think somebody even says it's going to level everything in that block. Like, Vite says, like, I hope no, nothing he cares about is there. Oh, yeah. And then and then it ends up basically killing Lady Tro. True. I can't... Why, why can't I remember how to pronounce it? <laughs> and, uh... Then uh, Angela literally just runs <laughs> through it like it's like a hailstorm, and everything's fine. Like I expected, I expected it was just you know again. I was I was anticipating like a an ape from the comics where like Vite ends up fucking leveling that block. He saves the world again, but he kills a lot of people. Like there's a lot yes. of damage, and Blake is left with that same decision, you know. And mm-hmm. it actually just conveniently kills our villain her device and uh everyone else seems okay yeah the two detectives are just out there but they survive by like holding stuff yeah. on their heads yeah it, it's unclear whether he was wrong or but he's whether... adrian Vite, so he's not wrong you know what i mean right like, you would think he wouldn't be <laughs> and he designed this thing like he knows what he, he knows what he's doing of. yeah yeah like he, he, it, he would do. yeah exactly yeah. So it makes it. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's the show's fault for just completely making like. Yeah, and the mark with that one. And I'm not really sure what we're supposed to take away from Angela becoming Doctor Manhattan. Or oh yeah, I don't. I mean, is that is another thing? Is like like I, like I said earlier, you know, Doctor Manhattan can piece himself back together. So, 
If I'm following the logic of the comics, I still think Dr. Manhattan's out there somewhere. For some reason, he's not just going coming back to Angela. But, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, I don't know. By the way, yeah, Damon, I think Lindelof or somebody said, like, that ending is not supposed to be ambiguous. Which right, seems so I, to indicate that she is, she does have the powers, right? Because she kind of well, like, yeah. They, I, I saw that quote. That's kind of why I'm just taking this definitive. Okay, I think yes. I think I think she definitely has the powers. Like she, he he mentioned the egg thing. You know she. Yes. I mean, even even if you forget that, what you saw was her eating a fucking raw egg and then starting to walk on water. And he's saying the ending is not supposed to be ambiguous. Like, <laughs> there's really. If you if you want the ending to not be ambig- unambiguous, or if you want the ending to be unambiguous, and that's what you show us, that's there's really only one takeaway there that she has powers now. You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> uh, you know, I suppose I guess I guess that kind of veers in. If I'm being charitable to it, I guess that's supposed to veer into the main theme of the show. Well, one of the main themes of the show, which is the racial injustice and whatnot, and the whole idea is squaring away this idea of this god man. With also this persistent culture of racial injustice. And the show's takeaway is what her grandfather says at the end. He did a lot of good, but he could have done more. And I think the show's supposed to like, all right, well, now that Angela's been through all this, she is the vector that could do more. So it's ultimately supposed to be optimistic. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. It's weird how, I mean... Racial injustice is obviously, it's obviously not new, especially in uh, recent years, but uh, it's weird how prescient the show is for current times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It is kind of funny. Not funny, but <laughs> kind, of, kind of strange. Certainly strange, yeah. Um. I always have trouble with that, like, like the themes when it's like a comic book story, but it's also like <laughs> and it's also trying to entertain you. And yeah, yeah. I mean, none of the not the media isn't in general trying to entertain you, but you understand what I mean. It's a visual yes. media; it has other things going on. Uh, um, I was talking for a while. Do you, do you have another point you wanted to bring up? I'm just, you know, I'm thinking, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I got something else, Brian, what do you think? Um, okay. In general, I wanted to mention, I, I just thought the episode eight was, uh, I enjoyed it a lot because it was a very clever use of nonlinear storytelling, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, if you accept the premise as it is, accept everything going into episode eight, I think it's actually a really uh, engaging romance story between... Angela and John slash Cal. You know what I mean? Um, jumping through the various points of their relationship while also reconciling some of the mysteries about um, her granddad, where that knowledge that, uh, what's his name? Crawford was from the 7th Cavalry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought all that was very cleverly done, and I, I enjoyed that episode quite a bit. Uh, that uh, <laughs> on another note, I wish that Crawford had actually not been racist, and that instead 
this it had been an example of like you know Angela fucking up because she had this assumption that she ended up transmitting back to herself. You know what I mean in a closed loop that was wrong, right, right. and so innocent people died. I thought that's totally the angle they were going to go with until we saw his wife as like one of the evil members of the Seventh Cavalry and <laughs> they gets obliterated. Yeah, that probably would have been more interesting. I was kind of thinking that like early on cuz I guess I expected more in that regard that like it would it would turn out that he that the relationship that they had was like genuine but that it's more complex than it seemed than just right. like black and white no pun intended but it like it's that, that's why i kind of <laughs> bought the idea that he might not be this evil violent racist but he also mm-hmm. might have his granddad's robes in his in his closet for some reason like he might have yeah. these like secret political beliefs you know kind of in, in the show tries so well tries so much to parallel with current times i think there are a lot of people who like trump for example who are secret about it you know what i mean who, who don't want to go out yes. and like talk about it, but they still act in their daily life um as if they don't you know what i mean they yes. virtue signal one way you know and I, I think it would totally be possible if this character was that person uh yeah like there is an agenda that he's technically a part of but it's more complex than that right like, like he's literally just trying to keep the peace like he's he's actually the stalwart maybe yeah. but he but he he is of the belief that the only way he can do that is from inside. Something like that. But he knows that nobody can accept that, so he keeps it quiet. Like, there's a chain there that you can follow. I know that ultimately doesn't, like, change the plot, but, you know, it's... It's it's just irritating, like, because they didn't have to have his wife being this, like, twirling <laughs> mustache <evil>. racist. <laughs> yeah, evil racist. Like, they could have just not ha- not shown her at all and just had us wondering the whole episode, the whole series, you when, know what I mean? Like, when have I was us still talking about it. I don't think it's necessary to like characterize racists as anything but evil because I think racism is just bad. But when b- before the the reveal of like what the seventh cavalry is working towards the whole time mm-hmm. and then the revelation that like it's genuinely just because they're racist and they want to kill uh, other races, black yeah. people, whatever. <laughs> they just like that's their plan uh, with yeah. Dr. Manhattan powers. Um, it seemed like maybe for a minute that, like, th- that, like, for instance, the the senator was like u- genuinely using this uh, this militant racist organization mm-hmm. uh, to do something else, but then that turns out not to be the case. He's just as evil as all of them. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like okay, evil racists go boom at the end. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that and and, and that's, and that's the thing. fine. Like, it's like, just, like I completely it's agree with you that like I completely agree with you that you don't need to show much dimensionality to racists. It's fine if you say somebody is racist and then they are evil. Like that's yeah, because that's an evil but, thing to be. <laughs> right, but at the same time, we have enough plausible deni- deniability where we don't know if this character is for sure racist. There's definitely some signs that point to it. And then just to remove that mystery by <laughs> his wife being what she was, it was a little disappointing to me. You know what I mean? Yes. And I agree with you what, what you're saying about the senator. It's the same thing where, like, you build up this a bit of intrigue here, a bit of mystery, like some cloak and dagger shit, and then uh, you pull back the curtain, and it's just it's just a dagger. 
You know what I mean? It's like the most obvious thing yes. that, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's what that analogy means, but it kind of kind of makes oh, sense wait. in my head. Two things. I I like that the Seventh Cavalry uses like Rorschach as a. Oh as yes, a, yeah, that's great. Yes, a false yes. like idol or false. Uh, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, um, I don't think they went too far with that. It's just like a a way to sort of try to co-opt his image. But I do. I, I, I do like, like the that uh, concept. I like the likely racist um, FBI agent or whatever it was that that kept referencing Rorschach literature throughout the throughout the <laughs> series. It felt felt very real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a guy who's like in hiding. He's like, "Hey, have you read this? Uh, have you read Siege by James Madison?" <laughs> so I did. I did, yeah. I like that angle. Um, I also. By the way, did you I, did you know that he was uh, he was the slippery guy, the sewer guy? No, who was the the, the agent the the agent that kept bringing up Rorschach, uh, Blake's oh, really? partner? Yeah, it was it was revealed at some point that he was the snake like the slippery guy that went to the sewer that we never saw again. Lube man. <laughs> yeah, it was part of the like extra show material. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Afterward. Yeah. I did hear about that, but I didn't know that that's that's what was revealed. Huh? Okay. Yeah. yeah. One thing funny. I didn't like though was um, how Lori Blake handles what she comes to understand. Like she goes right to uh, Crawford's wife and reveals the whole thing to her. Yeah. Not even not even like thinking for a moment that she might be in on it. It's just so weird that a woman who's so an agent who's so competent and savvy. Would just suddenly like uh, trust fall this random ass trap, and yeah. then for the rest of the show, she's kind of just like eh, tied up until the end where she turns on fight. I don't yep. know. I, I liked her character, so I didn't want to see that happen. Like I didn't, mm. I didn't feel like that was in line with what she would do. I feel like we were, were robbed a little bit of having her and Doctor Manhattan in the same series, and not ever <laughs> really having a chance to interact with each other. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm disappointed by that. I mean, they they see each other a bit towards the end, but it's literally moments before Doctor Manhattan dies, and obviously they can't. Yes. You know, there. I mean, it, it's an interesting dynamic. Like they were former lovers. Now Doctor Manhattan's been with his other girl for ten years and hasn't seen Lori Blake in some uh, <laughs> some decades, and literally took her to Mars. Like it's not like they were, you know, not like they were pen pals. Right. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> Looking like glass is so whole, cool, man. I like all of his storyline. Like everything is. Yeah, dude. The conspiracy theorist who ends up being correct about everything. Like, oh, it's so good. I love There's a the massive conspiracy origin story. Like, I yeah. love all that. Yeah. What are you going to say? Uh, I was just saying, <laughs> I love that he was just, he just seems like he's really good at his job. He also seems like this crazy conspiracy theorist, but we know he's right. You know what I mean? Yes. Like we know there's a conspiracy and that he's figured it out. Yes. And then his reaction after seeing that video. Oh, it's good. And you get one of those like fuck yeah moments when at the end of one episode it looks like he's about to be assassinated and you're like, Oh no, come on. And then in the next yeah. episode, <laughs> this house is littered with their bodies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's great. Uh, uh I'm trying to think of like any I mean as I said before, I, I 
I liked Hood Justice's the retcon for him. I thought mm-hmm. that was good writing. I, I was like surprised. I, um, I think in um, I think very in generally speaking, deciding to transform the Watchmen into what it is is was a, a really surprising move. Like the product that we got, I think is just yes. very surprising all around. And I think mostly it comes together in a really entertaining way. I I honestly would not have expected a Watchmen adaptation to be this good, even with the reservations I have. Um, but putting it through the lens of racial justice and recontextualizing the whole story within that lens, and yet the original canon still is intact, it's a very uh, clever, you know, well thought out um, storyline. It's easy to nerd out about. It's very smart. Very, you know. Hats off to Lindelof. And yet I just think want to get I, that out there. I, yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. But I also, for me, I think it suffered as it went along. And I do I, 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 I agree with that. I agree with that as well. I, you know, as a Watchmen fan who saw there was a new Watchmen thing 20 years later and was actually <laughs> impressed by it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with my reservations, I, 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 I could not. I, 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 I know that it could be better. I, but I would not have expected it to be this good. If you understand what I mean? I understand. Yeah. And you know that, like, what I'm saying, as I said, as I said already, it's born out of a place of like the stuff they invented and retcon and stuff. That was all. Oh good. yeah. And the sure. characterization yeah. was all good. The writing was good. Like, yeah. so all this stuff was good about it. And then, like. As it went along, I was like, "Ooh, come, yeah, bring it back, you know, bring it back for for me." Just, just a little bit more in this direction. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, I kind of went through all the stuff that I had like written down beforehand, stuff that I didn't mention on the uh, the podcast earlier. Mm-hmm. Kind of been through that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Do you have anything? Yeah, I, you want to mention? Uh, I didn't really write anything down, but I was thinking about this quite a bit last couple okay. of days. Um, no, I think I got it all out there, like the major stuff at least. Um, man, I, I'll say now, I was so razzed on the first podcast where Vito mentioned he watched it, and I was like mm-hmm. doing an inside joke, and I was like, hey Vito, do you think I could lift a 200 pound man? And he was, he had no idea what I was talking about. He was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, are you going to like deadlift him or something? He said something that was like, uh no I'm gonna I'm gonna use a I'm gonna use like uh, a rope and pulley system just like <laughs> you know anyway <clears throat> yeah check out episode fourteen to see if you get silent res well, oh wait no, no, this the, was the first episode was okay so episode thirteen or fourteen listen okay. to them both and you'll find it for sure yeah all right that's that's about all I got what are you flask I think so. I think so. All right, so we're both giving the show a 10 out of 10. Good night. No, okay. <laughs> Wait! Uh, I'm not going to give a rating. It, it, I'm going to no, give, give it a good. I'm going to give it a good, but I had a lot of problems with it. And they A good minus, in other words. It went, it went it, uh, yeah, a good minus. It got Decent more minus as it went along. <laughs> Yes. Or maybe a decent. We're coming up with yes. rating scales to go along. <laughs> yeah, I don't like ratings. I just like explaining my thoughts on the thing. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, uh, 
If you, you know who could beat Doctor Manhattan in a fight? Goku, Captain Captain Adam. Hmm. Is his powers the same as the Adam girl from uh, Invincible? Basically, no. Well, sort of. I mean, they're in the same ballpark, but like all, all their powers. Then are. yes, Doctor Manhattan was that. based on Captain Adam. And Captain Adam is Oh, actually. okay. I was going to say, that name was so familiar to me somehow. I knew it was related. <laughs> I just could not place it. Yeah, yeah. Nathaniel, but, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, a character that can manipulate Adams is, like, a pretty hard counter yeah. to Doc Manhattan. Anyway. <laughs> I just... I want to rep Captain Adam a little bit. I, I respect that. As you were saying. All right. One last thing before we leave. Who... Is the DC or Marvel counterpart to Looking Glass? Um, hmm. it's not Batman. I feel like Batman's too sane, and hmm, they're kind of similar. In, well, no, Batman's is, is Night Owl. Oh, I, I did like Night Owl in the show, by the way. Like he wasn't in the show, but he was felt. Blue Beetle. I think that was fine. Thank you very much. Right. Uh. Okay. I would say it, it's kind of weird because. Looking Glass is sort of like the Rorschach of this series, and Rorschach yeah. is based on the question. So Looking Glass so is kind of like, like the question, question in that he's a guy who has demons on the inside, but he like covers mm-hmm. them up and is very competent on the outside at investigative work. Investigative work. So I can't really I get like a just... better, more accurate person than that in my mind. So you think his his character is just kind of meant to be? Our generation's Rorschach is like the point. Basically, yeah, he's kind of this similar archetype. I, he's similar in the sense that, like, they're both like these investigative, big, abstract-minded people, but uh, he's not very on the inside of trouble. Yeah, I get. Yeah, okay, I see what you mean. And conspiracy-ish. Yeah. All right, and he eats stuff by pulling up his mask over his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's true oh I, I last thing before I leave I did like the what, what was the American Horror Story uh, analog American Hero Story is that what it was uh, what, did you, what are you talking about the Hooded Justice show like the show that oh yeah something like that Yeah, uh, I, I liked that as kind of like a <laughs> parallel to the comic book inside the comic book yeah, the original. Oh, that was a fun treat. Yeah, I, I liked how in that out. we see that part of the episode where he like stops the. Uh, oh, that was the, so cool! The dude. robbery in the in the grocery store, and you see that the guy who was like willing to let everyone in the store be killed because he kept claiming that there was no safe, mm-hmm. maintaining that there's no safe. You see in one shot, there's a totally a safe right under the counter in front of him. There's oh, a safe that's right not there. What- <laughs> That is not what I was thinking you were going to say. That's, uh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. Was, it's, they don't mention it, but it's just the detail. Like, there's a safe right there. And he was mm-hmm. willing to let everyone die for no reason. I, I uh, liked how we saw the, the Hollywooded up version of that scene. And then, and then, the then we saw version, the real version. Yeah, where the and it was store just, owner pulls a gun on him. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Yep, that's great. All right, well... If you enjoy this episode, I um, check out our other episodes. But you enjoy us like, especially nerding out over a single topic. 
Uh, the only other episode right now that we have of that is, uh, I think, episode three, Control. Check mm-hmm. that out if you play the video game Control. But we tend to um, sometimes delve a little bit deeper into topics during yeah, we the did like the Outer Worlds one that one time. Yeah, during one of the episodes. Just check out the descriptions to find stuff you might like. As always, you can contact us. Send us your takes on the Watchmen, please, at brokencampfire@gmail.com. If we get, um, I mean, I'm being sincere. If we get enough responses, hey, maybe we'll do a follow-up episode and see what people uh, said. Yeah. Um. Tomorrow, this is June 12th. Should have said that at the top. Tomorrow, <laughs> June 13th, we're going to be recording an episode uh, for PC Gaming Showcase. I imagine both these episodes are going to come out after then, or both of the episodes are going to come out sometime next week. So, uh, episode seven sooner. I don't know. Okay. Well, check out episode 18 to see our take on the upcoming PC games and the weird COVID world without any three, but still with some E3 stuff. All right, Flash, you got a final word for us? Racial injustice? I want to go play Terraria. I do too.